0: I don't set specific goals. I just take one step and put one foot in front of the other.
1: What happens in between is all about the awkward middle phase of entrepreneurship. You know, after you've taken your first steps, but before you can live off your passion. Join me, Athena, as I learn from other emerging creators about the tactical and emotional methods they use to keep moving forward after the initial excitement of following your dreams meets the reality of following your dreams. Let's get into it. Today on the show, I have Ruth Nakar, who is founder, CEO, and head chef of Foodina.
0: Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: I'm really excited to have you. Um, So can you give a little bit of background on yourself and Foodina?
0: Yeah, so um, I just graduated from um, Wharton. I got my MBA back in May. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea for a fast, casual West African restaurant um, the beginning of my second year. So that would have been last September um, in 2019. Mm -hmm. And literally, it was just born out of a need um, for quick access to healthy West African food. Um, my family is from Ghana and I grew up eating West Africa or Ghanaian food specifically. And, um, when I moved to DC after college, I just really missed my, um, the food of my childhood. And I wondered why it was so hard for me to get it. Um, like I'd have to go into a restaurant and like sit there, wait for somebody to take my order, wait maybe the power would go off. Like, it was just like not a good experience. And I just wanted to go um, and get my food 10 minutes or less. Um, Yeah, and I don't come from a culinary background, but I don't feel like that is a huge disadvantage um, because I like to say that I'm Fudena's target customer, somebody who wants healthy food um, with a West African twist. And Fadena offers that. Um, yeah, we like to say that we offer a modern twist on West African dining. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a big part of our mission is to spotlight Black-owned farms. So we source from, we source some of our produce from um, a Black-owned farm in North Philadelphia right now. Um, and yeah, we're hoping to, I guess, expand the list of our partner farms as we grow, because awesome. yeah, less right now, less than two percent of farms in the U.S. are Black-owned, so um, Fudena's mission is to help support our local community. So yeah, that's a bit about Fudena in a nutshell.
1: Amazing. Um, When
0: you say we, do you have a team? Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I am the founder and CEO, um, and I am the only full-time person, but I um, do have a team that helps me because I, I literally cannot do this by myself. So specifically, I have kitchen staff, part-time kitchen staff that helps me cook. So about three to four people. Um, I have people um, that I've met throughout the years who are familiar with the restaurant industry, who run restaurants, and they've been extremely helpful. Um, for any questions that I've had as somebody who doesn't come from that industry. And I have about four classmates, five classmates that I have on like speed dial whenever I have a question about something. Um, So yeah, I do have a team um, and we're looking to grow. I just hired a social media manager and I'm working with a graphic designer to sort of um, really... Solidify our brand because that's really important as a new restaurant without a storefront. So yeah, mm-hmm. I um, even though I'm the only full time person, I do make sure that I have a team, a village around me to to help me as we grow.
1: That's incredible. I ask because I say we about the show all the time, but it's just me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. I um found myself correcting myself. Um, I was texting a potential catering customer Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, email me at blah, blah, blah. And then I changed it to email us at blah, 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 I guess to like make it more legitimate and like not like a one person operation. But then at the same time, it's not a lie because I'm not doing it by myself. But even if I were, I shouldn't feel, um, I shouldn't feel like I had to hide it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, because solo founders, they exist and it's real and it's yeah. hard. It's very hard, but mm-hmm. yeah, we should just own our soloness at times, I feel.
1: Yeah. I feel that too. You mentioned that you graduated from Wharton, as did I. Uh, and I'm very curious, how much do you feel like Wharton actually helped you?
0: Yeah. Um, I, to start off, I would say that I was, a non-traditional student in the sense that I did not come from um a quote-unquote traditional finance or consulting background. um I worked in international development um that gave me a lot of great skills in project management and budgeting and I traveled a lot and I was able to manage a lot of um yeah a lot of teams on the ground in Tanzania and Malawi but um yeah, I say non traditional to say that we're in or I saw my MBA as a launch pad to something greater. Um and I really wanted to be able to diversify my skill set. I didn't want to be pigeonholed into like, oh Ruth, international development, good at writing, like yeah, right brains. Is that right? Right brain or like I don't know, but I didn't want to be like yeah. just seen as this one one type of person. So I saw the MBA as like this would really show them, like, I can't, I too can use Excel and like, I do know how to do math. Um, But yeah, I would say that Wharton more so than the classes, I learned a lot in classes, but literally, it was the network. And when I say network, I mean friends. Um, I mean, the alumni uh, network specifically, Amba Network, um, which is an African-American MBA association. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I met one of my mentors through that, um, who was a graduate of um, Wharton and started his own restaurant here in Philly. And that was like an incredible connection. But yeah, Wharton definitely helped me. Um, I wouldn't be here in Philly starting this restaurant without Wharton. I don't think I would ever have come to Philadelphia, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, No shade to Philly, because Philly is a wonderful city. (laughs) I just like, yeah, it wasn't like on my radar. But I'm very happy um, that I chose to come to Wharton. And yeah, I, I, I could go on and on about how Wharton changed my life. Um, But yeah, I would say that the people that I met, the friends that I made has been, yeah, those have been the most, yeah, incredible things that I took away from my experience. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I completely understand that because my experience, though different, my experience was, it was less the classes that helped me or that uh, allowed me to grow. And it was more so the things outside of classes, the things with people. Yeah. And I think that's just kind of important to highlight because I do feel like a lot of people have this younger people specifically have this belief that you need to go to one of these famous colleges, Mm -hmm. um, and universities. And it's really like, if you can figure out how to leverage the people around you, not to say that there's not, you know, a network. Yeah. Uh, What's the word? Like dissonance, but
0: yeah I, yeah, I I um totally agree and um with the in respect to the it's not about the classes. Um and like I would like to say it's not about the name, but honestly going to an Ivy League really does help you, but like you need like I feel like you need to know how to leverage the resources. Because thinking back to my time in undergrad, I wish, like, yeah, there were just so much money that they were just, like, flinging on students and, like, making it rain, and I just wish I took more um, advantage of that. And that is a privilege I got from, um, yeah, the university that I went to. But um, it isn't about the classes. I don't really remember what I learned in my classes in undergrad but yeah it's about the people the networks um and the resources that you take advantage of
1: definitely so what right now is the most challenging part of trying to operate and grow fudena
0: yeah um <laughs> what is the main thing i think it's challenging to build a customer base Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't have a storefront. So, um, yeah, the restaurant industry, it's all about location, location, location. So you can get curious customers who walk past your restaurant or smell it even. Mm -hmm. um, Smell your food and, like, they would come in and try your food. But it's hard us not having our own storefront. We have to rely heavily on social media um, doing pop-ups, doing community events. Um, so that has been challenging, just initial customer acquisition. But I have been very lucky, or we have been very lucky in the sense that we um, got, like, great publicity early on. Um, yeah, we were featured in Philly and Mag in August. And that, um, that like, really, yeah, launched us to a new audience. So I feel like, yeah, I would go back and say that initial customer acquisition is the most challenging, as well as like the more boring operations part is finding a kitchen um, where we could be operational more than one day a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see in the news all the time that restaurants are going out of business. So you're like, oh, yeah, like Ruth, isn't it easy for you to just like buy or lease like a kitchen from those restaurants that went out of business? But A lot goes into it. It's like real landlords want to see that you have a viable business and that they won't Lose money if they have you as a tenant and it's just a lot that goes into it. But I see these challenges as um, I don't want to say I see as a game As a level to beat. but I kind of do see it. It's like enjoyable to see how we Solve it. And just, I always have this, this vision in my mind where I look back at my life and I'm like, wow, isn't it funny that I thought that that was hard? Um, mm. So yeah, that's how I kind of um, move through the challenges because the challenges are going to keep on coming. Definitely. Yeah,
1: definitely. So I actually wanted to ask about all the features that you got in publications because yeah. I do think it's like, it's a platform. It will grow your audience wider than you individually uh, following people on Instagram or something. Do you know what I oh mean? Oh like,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> So how, how did that, how did you do that? How can other people do that?
0: Yeah, I, um, it wasn't a matter of me doing it. Um, I was just like minding my own business. Like individually following people, which I realized was a really laborious task that did not give me the returns that I wanted. So I stopped doing that and I kind of focused more on actually preparing the food and serving it it to as many people as possible. So it was kind of word of mouth. And then I started to work with influencers, so like local Philly food influencers, and that helped me gain a couple more um, or a couple hundred or a hundred or so Instagram followers, but I think it was the combination of um, word of mouth and me being consistent on social media because, um, oh, also just proactively reaching out to publications um, to get featured. Um, so yeah, Philly Mag, somebody from Philly Mag just DM'd me on Instagram one day um, and asked if, they could interview me and I asked them how they found out about me. And they're literally like, Yeah, we just saw you on Instagram. Hmm. So I think what's important is that your Instagram has to, your feed has to be fr- pretty, first of all, it has to be captivating. Your bio has to tell people what you are at immediate first glance. Um, yeah, I can go on and on, but just, I just made sure that those things were or those things are in place, um, just to make people um, know about you in five seconds or less. Cause I don't know about you. Like I got followed by my personal Instagram account, got followed by like a yoga studio. And like, I couldn't figure out where this person was located like where, what kind of yoga it was. And I'm just (laughs) very confused. Um, So yeah, just advice to business owners, just make sure that it's very obvious what services you offer within five seconds or less. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, back to your question. That's, yeah, just being active on Instagram was how I think I, I caught the eye of Philly Mag. And that just like set off Um, A lot of things in motion, people started contacting me um, and it was great. And I hope that we are able to recreate that success as we grow.
1: Right. So in terms of helping people know what you're about in within five seconds, what do you think are, I don't know if it's two or three, like what do you think are the things that you need to have in, in an Instagram bio, let's say.
0: Um, I, so first of all i guess for us we say this is what we are we're fast casual west african restaurant in philly and these are the hours that were open link in bat bi- like we have a link um, in bio um, mm-hmm. and just i recently learned that the first nine yeah first nine posts of your feed um those are the things that show up on your phone when you go to a profile so like those nine should immediately convey what your brand is about because not everybody's going to scroll all the way Mm -hmm. um so just in addition to the bio making sure that you have a coherent brand identity um whether that's colors or just your graphics that you use the text the font that you use but um yeah, we've gotten feedback from people that the colors that we use in our photos are really colorful and um it's just bright and vibrant so that i feel like that catches people's eyes mm-hmm. um yeah i think those are the main things that i would say
1: great i'm going to transition a little bit into making your first dollar uh, <laughs> that you could keep yeah. <laughs> Fooderness started in September of yeah. 2019 yeah uh, how are
0: you doing <laughs> yeah so um when I say started it was literally um, hosting taste testings and GSRs in um, a huntsman so I would have like I would have people sign up like five to seven people per group sign up I would cook four different variations of Jalal Fres to test out to see what people like the most. I'd make everybody um fill out surveys after and just use that data to improve my recipes, blah blah blah. But yeah, I charge people for um those tastings to cover the cost of ingredients mostly. Mm-hmm. I don't really think I made a profit, but um I think back in January of 2020 that seemed like ages ago that's yeah. crazy that was only like nine months ago but yeah I think that's when I started to cater for um uh universe or Wharton groups so I, I remember I catered for um the AMBA the Caribbean Business Club and the Wharton Africa Students Association we all had an event and I catered for that I made money from that so that was great but um, I don't think I really started making a profit until I um, started selling individual bulls out of my apartment in June of this mm. year. Um, and that, yeah, I made a profit because I was only working by myself. I didn't pay anybody else to help me. Um, but yeah, of course, that's not sustainable. So right. as we grow bigger you know I have to hire more people but then that's more cost so it's just been a matter of balancing yeah expenses and sales and the restaurant industry is notorious for being really hard to balance those things but I don't know I'm optimistic that we'll be able to get um to a good place financially um yeah to a good I just want our growth to be sustainable I don't, I don't want to grow too fast to hemorrhage cash but then I don't want to grow too slow so it's like not to capture or capitalize on momentum that I've gotten but yeah yeah that's a roundabout way of saying that um yeah we're good financially there's some weeks that are better than others but mm-hmm. I, I just always have optimism that will um yeah perform well financially
1: great yeah it's it's also interesting because it's it kind of goes into what you were saying about seeing all of this as a game, like a level to achieve. Yeah. Yes. I'm in the process of making my like November goals or just sort of piecing together life yeah. <laughs> one month at a time. And uh, one of the things that I want to do, and it feels like a, it feels low, but I think I need to make it attainable, like stupidly low. Mm-hmm. Um but I want to make a hundred dollars on my own without my jobs mm. um, through my business, and then I'm just gonna like each month try and make, at, you know, maybe yeah. fifty more dollars or maybe mm. only twenty five more. Yeah. Probably there will be one month where there's nothing actually, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it is it is this thing where it's like I'm figuring out how to make my brain uh think in a way that helps me to operate given that there's like no guarantees in any
0: mm. any direction. I found, um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but like, I don't set goals because I find that like, I don't say I don't set goals like for Fudena like financial goals. Mm-hmm. I set goals like personal goals and stuff, yeah. but like Fudana I found that when I set goals, I would just paralyze myself in fear and anxiety. It's like, oh my gosh, like how am I going to do this, blah, blah, blah. That's just me personally because I feel like I just spiral down and overthink things. Mm -hmm. And what worked for me is to just do, just take one step at a time Mm -hmm. um, and not worry about the outcome. Now, this could work for... Maybe this won't work for all industries, but this works for me as an entrepreneur because if he had told me a year ago now that I would be where I am today, I would not have believed you because yeah, just looking at my business plan, like all that text, like great but where's the action behind it yeah um and it's funny because i mean listeners can't see this but i just bought this planner mm-hmm. um 24 hour planner yesterday and i got really really excited because i was like oh my gosh finally i'll be organized and i can yeah. go see how that pans out but um yeah for me um uh, of course you have to make enough revenue to cover your expenses But then you also have to like know that as a startup you're not going to be profitable off the jump especially if it requires a lot of investment Mm -hmm. and i look at all these tech companies like uber um the food delivery companies i don't know all these big companies that still aren't profitable and yet still somehow attract all this vc funding and i'm like okay like, you don't have to be profitable, but you have to, like, show that you can scale and that you have customers. I'm not saying that that's a good way of running a business, but I see that that's how some successful businesses are. Of course, mm-hmm. our goal is to be profitable. Um, right? But, yeah, that's a whole way of saying that I don't set specific goals i just take one step and put one foot in front of the other that's how i operate
1: yeah yeah that makes perfect sense
0: but yeah you have to know you have to like take personal stock and just see how like how what works for you and yeah if setting a goal of a hundred dollars i think yeah that's an attainable goal yeah um you know about smart goals right yes (laughs) yeah i just remember yeah they they pounded that that into us and our orientation first year at work yeah what is it um specific measurable attainable oh oh yeah i don't know know. action-oriented results time yeah (laughs) (laughs) obviously i learned a lot but i think it it could work right i just have no i just have like a guide like an overarching guiding north star that i follow yeah. in my head all the time. So I would say that that's my smart goal.
1: <laughs> that Okay, let can we unpack this North Star? Is it like a vision of perfect life or is it a what what
0: is it? Yeah, um it's funny that you asked that. Um I um yeah, I just think that I've been following my intuition more and more. And I find that like your intuition to get a little bit esoteric, like mm-hmm. your intuition knows what's best for you. Um, and I, I constantly feel like my intuition is telling me and it's keeping me on the right path, guiding me towards like what I'm supposed to get done in this life. And I feel like Dana is just like one one path to get me there there are many paths that will get me there but Hudena is like the launching pad like i know that that this is not the only business that i'm gonna start mm-hmm. um, but i just know that it's my opening so yeah i just do what feels right and i know that's not specific advice oh, yeah, but it's okay. gonna help me but yeah just listening to my gut has served me well um So, uh, yeah, I would say that's my North Star.
1: Have you encountered the external world telling you or people telling you or whatever the opposite of what your gut says or, like, not to trust it?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I've had people say that, like, why? This is before the pandemic, but it's like, why do you want to start your restaurant right away? Why don't you just go and work at a restaurant company um and get experience there Mm -hmm. which is fair or like why don't you work in corporate for a couple years and then make enough money to pay off your loans and then do it um and it just goes back to knowing yourself i know myself personally that i need to be in a job i don't want to say job anymore but i need to do something that really connects with me It resonates with me on a personal level in order to be um, happy. Mm-hmm. So I know if I went and took a job that I didn't really connect with but gave me a lot of money, like I would become complacent and I just keep on pushing off this dream of owning my own restaurant. Like, it's yeah. just really easy to get complacent and really hard to quit. your Like, why would you quit your six-figure job and maybe my- have a family you're used to a certain like level of, standard of life like mm-hmm. that's even harder to leave whereas as a student who's like thousands of dollars in student loan debt like can't really get much like worse than this like it's mm-hmm. only up from a year mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i saw it and i'm lucky to like not have any familial obligations at this point mm-hmm. um But, yeah, it's, like, a lot of listening to my gut. Um, Yeah, also this week I've had to wrestle with, like, negative customer feedback and just not taking it personally because that's something that I'm very guilty, like, personalizing everything. And if you do that, you cannot survive in this life. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to withstand some criticism, and it's up to you if you want to take it as constructive or, like, cast it aside. But yeah that's also been a fear of mine like as we grow we're gonna get more people to try our food and like there's gonna be more people who don't like it as much right and i just have to trust in myself and like our menu and our brand that it's not for everybody but that's okay and like Mm -hmm. you can't be everything for everybody um what no, was the original question? Yeah, gut, intuition. Yeah, mm-hmm. trusting what's right. Yeah, just checking back in with yourself and seeing, yeah, this feels right. And people may give you advice or criticism, but you have to know if it really resonates with you at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, so do you you don't have a nine to five at the moment? <laughs> no,
0: I don't. So um Yeah, I'm just have faith Mm -hmm. that Foodzana will pay me back tenfold um, in the future. Uh, It's funny because I was thinking of going back to my old um, industry of international development, like maybe doing some part-time work or even like getting a full-time job. Mm -hmm. but like none of those opportunities worked out and like I'm literally just taking it as a sign from the universe Ruth no you got to focus on Fudena um that's how I'm seeing it yeah ask me a year from now but like I have full faith that like I'll be able to make money from Fudena sooner rather than later yeah
1: I have full faith in it too thank you (laughs) um so what do you think is like the grand vision of Fudena in maybe one to three to five years?
0: Um, so I, the ultimate goal or from the get-go, I wanted Fudena to not just be like a single location. I wanted it to be um, a nationwide chain. So mm-hmm. not as like extreme as a McDonald's, um think more like a, like we're in cities like on the coast um maybe in texas in the midwest just like cities because um, our consumer like i'd like to think our consumer is like the urban young professional but i want to be able to bring west african cuisine to more not eyes but more palates. um yeah. Yeah, because I feel like what um, interest in African culture is rising um, and that only spills over into people being curious about African food. And it's a matter of it being accessible or not. I feel like a lot of people or consumers are intimidated. Um, so that's why they don't even go to African restaurants. But yeah, the grand vision, five years from now, Yeah, multiple locations, New York, D.C., Philadelphia, Atlanta, Mm -hmm. LA, SF, Chicago, brick-and-mortar locations, yeah, so that you'll be able to enjoy African food in as many places as possible, and just being able to build a network of Black-owned farms, just being able to help in that respect, bring awareness to the issue as well as supporting it financially, not just through charity, but like us growing to a place where we can like source all of our food from Black-owned farms or all of our ingredients from Black-owned farms. And just, yeah, employing more people at a livable wage of $15. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have this grand vision and like I have full faith that it will come to fruition. It's just a matter of time. You'll see Fudana all over the place in the mm. U.S.
1: Yeah. yeah, Cacao. Now it's time for the seedling round where small questions lead to tasty answers. What is your favorite bowl that's currently on the menu?
0: Um, I'm going to say the jollof complex, which is jollof chicken and um greens I don't know I like just love the chicken like I just eating the chicken I eat it like away from the kitchen so it's sanitary and hygienic but like some days some nights I'm like wow this is so good not to toot my own horn but like it's just really good yeah
1: (laughs) what weakness have you discovered in this journey
0: um I think yeah I'm not organized <laughs> mm-hmm. like even on Sundays when we're in the kitchen cooking and like I'm constantly asking my team like where'd I put my phone where'd I put this blah 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 like I just misplaced everything just I'm all over the place which is why I'm hoping this planner, listeners, can mm-hmm. use. But this planner will help me a little bit. I don't think it'll save my life, but yeah, my <laughs> weakness is that I'm not as organized as I could be.
1: Cool. And how do you measure time?
0: How do I measure time?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, time is a, is a construct. So start there. Pop off. <laughs> um, oh, wow. That's a deep, it's like a short question with a deep question. Um, I would say like by how, I mean, yeah, hours on the clock, but it's more about how I feel because the mornings, are like full of like possibility and as you get into the afternoon it's like oh wait oh my gosh wait I didn't I'm not really on track and then night is like winding down and taking stock of the day mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question but like yeah. I go by moods
1: mm-hmm. incredible <laughs> <laughs> cacao that concludes the seedling round I like to end on two things. What is your greatest ambition? You as Ruth.
0: I think my greatest ambition is to... I was about to say, and I've been saying this for the longest time, just to, like, um, increase awareness and appreciation of African culture. But honestly, I just feel like it goes beyond that. It's just Mm -hmm. to like spread love i literally use it yes to spread love um i'll leave it at that okay
1: (laughs) and what is the question of the week
0: question of the week like for myself for yourself or for the audience okay yeah i'll say what is your intuition telling you Mm. great yeah.
1: What is your intuition telling you? How can the people connect with you and Foodena?
0: Yes. Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at eatfoodena, E-A-T-F-U-D-E-N-A. And then our website, www.eatfoodena.com. And if you want to, if you're in Philly and want to eat our food, we're open on Sundays for pickup and delivery um, from 12 to 8. We're also on Uber Eats and black and mobile and yeah we have some pop-ups planned for the month of november so yeah if you're local and you can make it out come see us and we'd love to feed you oh what a is a like
1: <laughs> yeah thank you for being on the show this was a lot of fun thank you for
0: having me this was really fun and i learned a lot about myself that's good <laughs> so thank you for that great
1: Hey guys, thank you for listening. I just wanted to hop on and quickly mention that on November 3rd, Fudena gave out approximately 500 free bowls of food to people who were standing in line. Ruth really is spreading love, and I think that's really admirable and worth noting. That being said, here are my takeaways from the episode treat your venture, your goal, like a game with levels to beat, because the challenges will keep on coming. Follow your intuition and be sure to get that Instagram game up. Make sure within five seconds people know what you do, where you're located, and how you're going to help them. If you like this episode, please rate and review, subscribe, share with friends. Thank you. This episode
0: was produced by Endless River Studios.